Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today as ever is Mr. Simon Rakowski. Si, long time no speak over Zoom or whatever software we're using. How is it going? Yeah, I'm good. I feel better illuminated today. I've put a big light on. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know what? You're glowing. You are glowing. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. That's what we love came, to see. Now, I, I yeah, I came back from had a, a brief holiday for a week, mm. and uh, came back and ran into a colleague, and their first words were, "How are you, mate? You look shattered." <laughs> so, relaxing time away then was it? Uh, yeah, well, I I thought I was relaxed, but um, yeah, maybe you were that relaxed. Out. You were still sleeping, and that's why you I need tired. all the lighting I can get, basically. Ex- exactly, exactly. Don't we all? Don't we all? But I'll tell you who else was glowing on Wednesday night. It was, of course, Manchester City. They, uh, well, a big game in the Champions League quarterfinals. The first leg against the champions of Germany, Germany Bayern Munich. I think there was confidence City would get the result, but I don't think anyone thought they'd go quite as well as it did, Sai, because what a performance! Uh, made even better, I think, by the fact it was like kind of an evenly matched game for most of it. I think Guardiola said afterwards it was actually there was large portions where Bayern were better, especially after the second after in the second half, the first twenty twenty five minutes when they were really going for it. But yet City rolled it out, defended brilliantly, and came away with a stunning three nil win and with one foot already in the semi finals. Um, what what a night! Yeah, it was it was a really strange game to look back mm. on because um yeah, like you say, and, and Tuchel was disappointed that it was three nil. Um Pep made the point that Bayern were very good. Um Joshua Kimmich did some media afterwards and said, you know, they were the better team for the first hour, he thought. Um and you could sort of see some sense in that, but at the same time, that final kind of twenty minutes it felt like it could have been six nil, seven nil. Um, we were discussing afterwards, like what mark you'd give out of ten, you'd give um, the Bayern goalkeeper because he made some incredible stops, like throughout the game, and then also the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gave heart well, he, attacks to every German in the stadium. <laughs> well, I mean, he um, he sort of very kindly let Bernardo Silva's header through his arms, 
Mm. Um, but then he made so many good saves. You're thinking if it weren't for him, um, City could have, you know, racked up like a Leipzig or a Burnley score. So it it could have been much closer, but it could have been much bigger. So I guess three nil is um, is quite good. Yeah, it was such a it was such a weird one because City didn't dominate the possession. A rare uh, a rare occurrence on home soil where they have less than their opponents, only forty four percent. But yet they had more shots, more shots on target. And it's, it seemed to me like it's sort of game where you know Guardiola always goes on about control, and when he talks about it, it's usually in terms of controlling the ball, having the ball. If if you've got possession, you can't can. You know you can't concede chances unless you give it away in the <laughs> right in your own box, as Bayern Munich found out to the detriment on several occasions. But you know his whole philosophy is basically keep hold of the ball as long as possible and don't let your opponents do anything with it. But here he kind of City kind of controlled the game without having the ball. Sort of. I mean, you know, going around Edison doesn't make one of the some one of his one of his own great saves from Leo Sani, and maybe maybe it's a different game. But I thought the way City kind of almost held Bayern at arm's length at times, especially in that final 20 minutes when they got that second goal. The way the most of Bayern's shots were outside the box, they didn't really have any really good chances in the area, unless I'm mistaken, anything that strikes to mind. So it's like they kept them at arm's length throughout. Bayern were, you know, they're a great team, got a lot of good players. They, their pace at times did um, did cause bother. You know, Sane, as City fans well know, is brilliant and he had loads of good chances. Coleman, Gnabry, uh, Musiala, and then when Mane comes on, when you've got that amount of attacking talent, Goretzka and Kimmich as well, as you say, you're bound to have chances. But I thought City, it was almost like they just, they were almost like Floyd Mayweather in the match in the boxer style, just kind of keeping your distance and striking when the opportunity kind of presents itself. And I thought it was just so perfect. And as we may touch on they created the opportunities almost in a kind of clock-like fashion where instead of patient build-up, it was um, triggering kind of pressing traps and winning the ball high up and being absolutely clinical with it. Yeah, and um, again, you know, Tuchel was kind of a bit frustrated because he was like, if you're restricting City to taking a 25, 30-yard shot from outside, the, you know, away from the goal, then, then you're pretty happy. You don't expect... Rodri to uh, ping one in on his weaker foot um, for the for the opening goal. You're more used to like Kyle Walker smashing it into Rosette or hmm. or something like that. So um, you know Bayern uh, restricted City a bit, but City restricted Bayern more. And you know Edison made a couple of good saves, um, but as you say, they were probably you know they were outside the box. There was no like outstanding chance from Bayern. Um, the closest they came was probably Musiala at nil nil when uh, Ruben Diaz mm. uh, blocked the ball uh, and stopped it going in. But that is kind of um, like Edison as as well in that you know it's not like we're used to Edison conceding from that kind of distance. It's just that normally City mess up and someone has a really really good chance to score against him and does so. Um, whereas yeah, City kind of limited limited Bayern. I don't think Bayern's expected goals were very very high. Um, I don't think they were above one. So it was um, I just... I, that is the best kind of collective performance I've seen mm. from City, I think, in the Champions League um, and has to be up there for sort of general performance. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even if we... Well, you know, we'll talk about the Premier League and everything that's going on 
over there um, later on. But in that Southampton game, there was a half an hour in there where City looked far more kind of shaken than they ever did against Bayern. And um, was it Sulemana, I believe, who was really running City ragged at times. And you could kind of see where, you know, if a player who's just come to the Premier League, 20-year-old, and is really damaging City with his pace, what could the likes of Sane and Mane and Gnabry and uh, Musiala and Coman, what could they do when they're, you know, the elite calibre players? But they never really got a chance to really kind of stretch City or um, expose any space behind. And I think it was how Guardiola set it up. And I think the, we were all, the big debate before the match was, will he go back to Walker here? We brought Walker on against Southampton when City were a bit stretched. He felt like maybe you do the same here with given the, the strength Bayern have on the wings. But instead, he started with the same back line, but instead of Stones moving into midfield from right back and potentially leaving that flank exposed, he did it from the middle. And it was I think it was just a, a genius tweak no one really saw coming, probably including Bayern. And they just never really got got any... Um, they didn't really get to isolate any of the full-backs. And the rare occasions they got to kind of one-on-one, Akanji and Aki both stood tall and won their duels really, really well. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think City played it in the first half at Chelsea in the league back in the start of January. And it was so bad, um, like really terrible half. And it, they they changed it at half time, and it was it was much better. But you could kind of tell it was a work in progress. Stones was like coming out of defence to sort of win headers because he'd been kind of tasked with kind of tracking Musiala in that ten roll. Um, but he'd come out and win a header, and then Guardiola would shout at him on the touchline and be like, "No, stay back." So Stones didn't fully know when to stay and when to go and like what exactly Guardiola wanted. But, you know, he's so intelligent on the ball and uh, his reading of the game and the, the whole the whole team, really. Um, but yeah, Diaz, so many good um, challenges or interceptions or blocks. It, it felt like there was a lot of um, Bayern getting kind of a sniff of a threat. And you're like, oh, City are in a bit of danger. And then... Within two seconds, like Nathan Aki would have closed the danger down, or Akanji closed the danger down. Um, that it was just an incredibly composed performance, and you kind of think back to the um, the 2020, 2021 season when they reached the final, and that was built on having you know an incredibly tight defence. Because um, like Guardiola said ahead of this game, they've not had any problem scoring goals. It's been conceding goals that has been that has been their issue. Um, and to keep a clean sheet against against Bayern will will put so much confidence into the whole sort of team going into the second leg, but also going into the um, the semi final, assuming they they finish the job next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you managed to see John Stones on BT Sport after the match, but he spoke very interestingly about two things you mentioned there. First, his kind of midfield role, he was quizzed on that, and he said, you know, I'm, this is a massive learning curve for me. Sometimes I don't really, pretty pretty much paraphrasing, don't really know what I'm doing at some point, so it's still, yeah. um, it's not very, it's not natural, it doesn't naturally come to him, I believe, is what he said, um, having to, his positioning, know when to move, nowhere to go to make space for others, and naturally so he's been a defender for you know 10 11 12 years of his career if not a lot more and now he's been tasked with doing this you know the inverted defender role i can imagine it's more you know it's difficult for anyone a bit easier for rico lewis who's been brought up doing it since he was a, a nipper in the city academy um and then also he touched on something you've touched on quite a lot on this podcast where he, he talked about the the blocks that you were making and how they celebrated them and you know diaz was chief chief uh 
chief general and doing that and Ake as well and how those little moments Edison saves as well from Sane when the pressure was on City celebrated those moments I think Stones appreciate that the fans celebrated those moments as well and it's those kind of galvanising little snippets of kind of play that don't mean much in the grand scheme of things but built together it kind of just creates this sense of I think yeah, like assuredness like City never once even in that period when Bayern were on top and you wouldn't have been surprised if they scored but it never really felt like City had the I suppose they have the backs of the wall a little bit I think I even wrote that but it never felt like they were stressing and I think Stone's saying that we we stayed calm we stayed composed everyone knew what they were doing yet they're a good team you're going to have spells when they're in control and they're having chances but City never seemed to panic and you can sometimes especially in the Champions League they have you can tell sometimes with City where the tide has turned they can't really stem that tide of, you know, they made one mistake and a goal or a bad decision goes against them. At times, they've been unable to shake that, especially the Tottenham match. That was kind of the, the worst for that, wasn't it? When that goal was disallowed and there was just no stopping the inevitable Spurs winner that came. Whereas now, at least on evidence <clears> of that, we'll see after the second league, of course, they've kind of matured as a group, it seems, and they're just a lot more, uh, a lot more composed in these massive, massive moments. Yeah, um, it was kind of, it, it, it's interesting that, you know, they have got this extra solidity. Um, and yeah, like you say, it, it's weird to say that they were always in control because they weren't and they didn't have the majority of the ball and Bayern had chances. But in the stadium on the night, it kind of felt like City were always or always in control. Um, it wasn't nervy, was it? It was just it didn't no. never felt frayed or panicky. No, and I mean you had the the sort of crossovers of like the, you know the old school meets, um, massively complex where you had like the city pressing Bayern really aggressively and all these sort of, um, you know fluid positions and formations and chasing and like they had a, a spell when when Harlan um, nearly chased the goalkeeper down. But like Grealish slid in to win his tackle, Harlan slid in full length, and then someone else slid in at the far um, post to like um, at the far touchline to try and keep the ball in play uh, or win it off off a Bayern player, and like those things get the crowd up. Like you know, it's a really sophisticated press, but it's also just like old school effort and closing down. Yeah, 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 and um, you know the the fans love to see that and they love to see you know City celebrating every small small victory they can and those meaty challenges and winning your 50-50s and, and things like that for all the sort of um, you know fancy football that gets played there's uh, there's nothing quite like um, those kind of things for getting the getting the crowd up and, and they certainly did last night so it all kind of contributed towards this feeling of like City are in are in charge here yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've talked about the defensive and you've touched on it there, that the way Guardiola set his team up to press, obviously they're always pressing back. It seemed like a new level of aggression and Grealish especially, you know, he won the ball for Upamecano. The, the amount of times they won the Bernardo as well, of course, the amount of times they won the ball in the, I won't say quite final third, but around Bayern's kind of um, quadrant of the pitch sort of thing. It just they didn't give him a time to breathe and build up play or give him any time. Time they're probably used to a bit more in the Bundesliga, you'd suspect. And up in Meccano, it's almost as if City kind of... If they, if, they, if they didn't go into the game with it as a plan, they certainly quickly kind of cornered on him because he was shaky on the ball and whenever he had it, 
they just kind of Grealish so intelligent that we'll talk about him maybe in a bit in a minute how far he's come but he blocked those passing lanes as I think um, Rio Ferdinand put it part of BT he um he, they closed down those passing lanes they had nowhere to go he tried carrying the ball and his touch was sloppy and Grealish just won the ball and great space of mind to him and and, and Haaland to set up that second goal and you know that wasn't the only occasion that was the one occasion it went led to the goal but it, it could have been a lot more again if we say if Sommer wasn't on it if Delict wasn't playing really well as well like Upper Meccano is a weak weak link in that side. In that side, I'd be surprised if he plays in the second leg. And City really exploited it. Yeah, it, it was a real collected effort. Um, but in particular, you must absolutely hate playing against Grealish and Bernardo um, in that form because they just did not let up for for, for one second. Really, um, time and time again, City just squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. And if you keep doing things like that, um, then you will. You will get the rewards for it, and um, as City did, and you know Bayern felt a bit hard done to, and you know it's it's those uh, Upper Meccano mistakes that were were punished, but you know City created so much um, that you know they were always going to take some of the chances they created, especially when you've got you've got Haaland on the pitch. But you know for for one of the first times ever this season, the first two goals of the match um, didn't need him. And I mean, I was as shocked as everyone else when he pulled the trigger to uh, to shoot for that second goal, and then instead just clipped it to to Bernardo Silva. But but what an assist! And that kind of summed up just the the all action, all collective performance from the team. Some cross for a tapping merchant, that is for sure. <laughs> but he did get his uh, tapping inverted commas, to the fullest extent um, late on. And that third goal, that one does feel significant. It was brilliant. I mean, the the header from Stones was fantastic. Yeah. Like, how he got so high. <laughs> to have, like, the timing to be able to jump then and to have it timed perfectly for the ball to be landed on your head and then to have the wear of all at the same time and then the skill to cushion it into Haaland's path perfectly for him to nod home was excellent. Obviously, Rodri's goal was the goal of the game. There's no denying that. But I thought it was almost route one to a certain extent, a big cross in, a big header and a big volley in. It was so simple, but in its simplicity, it was just stunning. Like It was such a great goal and it feels significant. That one feels like the one where City and the right to do this, Ake and Rodri of both and Guardiola as well. The ties, of course, not over. You've got to go away. You've got to win there as well as confidently as you did at home. Everything could turn on a sixpence, especially in the Champions League, but that's the goal that kind of feels like They've got it here. I, mean, I think after the first half, it felt a little bit like City. Oh, you might not have taken all your chances there. You've let Sommer make a few good saves. You've had a lot of good chances, yet you, you could maybe feel a bit of, oh, I hope they don't regret those missed chances there. And when Bayern came out guns blazing, it felt like that a little bit that might have been the story we'd be talking about now. But to, to kind of wrestle it back, to get the second goal as well, and then the third, it feels like that's the one that makes you think, the bearing disaster they're in the semis yeah yeah I mean you know City have so much baggage in this competition and they've they've led by a goal after the first leg and gone out they've led by two with a minute to spare in the whole tie and gone out they've led by two after the first leg and gone out so t- to lead by three um, that is that, that is your comfort zone and you know 2-0 two, two can very easily become 2-1 but 3-1 is is manageable and also it means you know if City score on the night in Munich um, then it, you know City only really need one to make it 
so hard for for Bayern to to come back. When was the last time City conceded three or four? Really... United they conceded three, but they won six three. So <laughs> it really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the only time this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're talking like such small percentages. Um, and you know, and and on the flip side of that, if you want to talk bullishly, um, you know, if City can sort of you know go close to matching the result from the first leg, then like what an aggregate score to uh, to sort of send a message round to 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 everyone else and whoever wins out the Real Madrid Chelsea game to say you know we're not messing around here, we've just mm-hmm. uh, beaten Bayern home and away, and uh, are ready for. For whoever comes, so it, it was, you know, it, it's the sort of performance and result that will make everyone in Europe sit up and think, wow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, well, certainly made us go wow. And I mean, there were so many great performances. We touched on the defenders and a few a few of the players further forward, but it's hard to narrow down so many good performers. But like, who who really stood out for you? I know there was a few nines in your player ratings and they, they were fairly deserved. I, I'm surprised you managed to hold off giving that 10, or is that just reserved for Haaland hat tricks? Uh, yeah, only certain Haaland hat-tricks get it, I think. Um, Skinny's like Roger Ebert, doesn't give out that big five-star unless it's really, <laughs> really worth it. That's the biggest compliment anyone's ever ever given me, Dan, oh, so thank you. We're all about giving um, on this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought Diaz led amazingly, um, as ever, and sort of made some really crucial blocks. Um, Nathan Ake, as well, just seems like he's just in control of every situation. You think, oh, the attacker's got a yard here and then suddenly they don't. Um, he He's just so good, having such a good season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, Edison played really well. Stone's excellent. Akanji, who has sort of been the the least popular probably out of the, those four, but I thought he did really, really well. Um, and, you know, playing right back, which isn't his position. Um, Against Coleman, no less. Yeah, 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 but um, again, just didn't seem didn't seem flustered at all, um, and you know, you kind of got the sense from the whole defence. Maybe this is why we felt like City were in control. You got the sense that they wouldn't concede, but just mm. like everything was calm at the back. Um, they, they weren't getting ripped apart, but that's what I'm saying. Like Bayern had a lot of the ball; they had good chances, but the good chances were from distance. They never yeah. kind of got in behind City or cut, had that one cutback they had, and then you say Diaz was there to block it. I think that was the, wasn't yeah. it. Akanji got rinsed. I think he got rinsed by yes uh, by Sane. Yeah, that's right. So he got rinsed once, but then after that, and he was up against Coleman. I thought he stood him up every time. That was the one time they got a little yeah. bit in behind, and then Diaz was on hand to make a great block. And what he did all evening, I thought, yeah, I should say all the defense. And then there was one, wasn't there, when it was already three 0 and Stones ran back and got the ball. It's like they just couldn't yes. get past. Even when they did get past them, they couldn't get past them because Ake and they were all just so on form that like they were just getting the ball back and getting rid of the danger every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, as much as three goals was huge for City, like one goal for Bayern would have been big to take back to to their home ground and give them a platform to work from. But no, they're starting from, from nothing and up against a defence that, you know, don't look like they're like the conceding goals. Um, so, yeah, sort of, I, I think it was City's best performance in the Champions League and best, by far the best result they've had, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Real Madrid game last season was pretty spectacular, but then they ended up uh, 
going out in spectacular fashion in the second leg in the wrong way. So um, for for getting the job done, like three nil is huge. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you know, mentions as well, of course, to Rodri that amazing goal. It's first in the Champions League. A typical Rodri performance. Other than that, as you as, as we know, and then you say the wide forwards Grealish and Bernardo. I thought Grealish, he's just come such a long way, and I I think everyone kind of had the kind of image of him as being maybe because of his accent. He's a working class lad, and he's had his issues when he was younger and whatnot. Seems a bit, you know, maybe not a player who would fit in Guardiola's technical setup, shall we say, to put it diplomatically. And for a year or so, you know, as we've often said, it took it took him the time to get there. But now he's just so on it. He knows when to go. He's tracking back all the time. He's pressing so hard. And and crucially, as I think me and Joe touched on last on the last episode, he's he's melding that with that uh, kind of guile and ingenuity on the ball that he'd missed a bit when he was trying to get the other side of his game up. And he's he's just excellent to watch at the minute. And he's I'm so I'm so kind of happy. I I loved him at Villa. I thought he was such a great player. And when he went to City, he kind of feared a little bit that that kind of uniqueness, that that kind of um, skill and flair that made him such a kind of interesting, a fun player to watch might kind of get sanded off him. But he's he's managed to do that and still still come out with that skill, and he's he's just in the form of his life at the moment. What you know, just testament to what a manager Guardiola is. He can take you know. Any player, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jude Bellingham. And man, if he doesn't want to work with Guardiola, I'd, I'd be stunned. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of happened under the radar with Grealish. He's probably been, well, yeah, he's been the best player since the World Cup, but he's just started making every right decision. Um, like everything he does, whether it's putting a tackle in or when to press or where to press or which ball to, to play in, is just spot on um and like you say he's added this sort of extra goal threat um he l- works very very well with with Nathan Ake down the left um works well with Haaland it it's yeah he's sort of quietly become one of City's most dangerous players um and did very very well at Southampton um and I think you know I, I don't think Leicester's right side is the is the strongest. I don't think there's anyone there that will be um, looking forward to uh, to coming up against a Grealish in in this form uh, on the left. And and yeah, yeah, it's taken him time, um, but I do think you know he deserves some credit when everyone else struggled so much after the World Cup to get themselves in order. He was on it from from minute one. Um, you know, he jokes about having ice cream in New York, didn't he? And then blowing out of his. Uh, rear end when he was brought on for the first game but he's just picked it up since and um, he's playing every game because he is making a difference every game and absolutely deserves the minutes that he gets has kind of Ake's earning this you know basically Ake is the left back now it's his position he's starting pretty much every match has Grealish's upturn kind of coincided with that a bit because I feel like Ake being left footed and always on the staying on and not an Ake being left back not being at the back of a free or a centre-back or whatever. Him being a left-footed left-back and kind of when he comes forward, going up the line and allowing Grealish to cut inside rather than it being Cancelo or Lewis or Bernardo even there and kind of operating in that same space. Has that, and a bit more defensive security with Ake as well because obviously he's not quite as um, kind of attacking as those three. Has that 
given him a a bit more security to do the you know do his work of the pressing and the attacking and open that space for him where maybe the fullback behind him previously was kind of stepping on his toes a little bit. I wonder. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know it was probably a bit more unusual having Cancelo on the left just because his role would be so so different. Um, you know, at, at any level of football, you play better when you're playing with people who you you're in the same positions every every time. Um, so for for Grealish to be playing with Ake, you build that relationship. Um, you know more what each other. Is going to do and and they have you know Ake is more defensive but he does get forward um, and Grealish tends to find him when when he mm. does so yeah I think the the two go hand in hand and you know in course of um, City's sort of best players this season they're they're both probably top five mm-hmm. oh absolutely absolutely if if the most maybe it's doing him a disservice because it was already good but I think. If there was a most improved award in real life, it'd definitely be Ake's, the, the way he's come forward. I don't think anyone expected that. But, you know, speaking of Cancelo, there was one maybe dampener on the evening, well, apart from the, the bucketing down rain. He came on, of course, on loan from City at Bayern, eligible to play, though, because of the Champions League rules, and loudly booed from across the stadium. Now, I, and every touch thereafter as well, I thought it was a little bit of a surprise. I don't know, and it, he's... he's Probably going to be coming back at least for a couple of weeks in the summer, unless a, another club wants to sign him. It doesn't really bode well, does it? I, I was a bit taken aback by that. I must say. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, do, it doesn't doesn't bode particularly well for him. No, for coming back, I I always think kind of booze in a match are always a bit a bit pantomime. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, contrast is. His reaction to like Lee Rosane's reaction, and Sane was much, much better. Um, you know, Cancelo is is a winner, and I don't think he's made any secret of the fact since going to Bayern that he's there to win. And he joined and said, "Yeah, I want to win the Champions League with Bayern." And then Tuchel took over, and he said, "Oh, I hope Tuchel can make me win the Champions League." So, you know, you you do have to kind of be aware that there is a club that's paying your wages who is also trying to win the Champions League. So you know, I don't know if um, some of that kind of bled into bled into it, but um, yeah, it was it was not a, a happy return. I was kind of expecting him to start as well because he'd mm. played two of the last two two of the three under Tuchel really, but um, yeah, was on the was on the bench and cut a pretty lonely figure. So um, yeah, I I don't think he's going to win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, uh, and I'm not sure he will play for City again uh, well, it, this summer well it'd be certainly, it'd certainly be intriguing but you know a great night for City one of the great European nights no doubt we look forward to the second leg in a couple of weeks um, hopefully City can advance to the semi-final but there of course there is the small matter of the Premier League to talk about as well so we'll just take a short break and we're back in just a moment to discuss all things Premier League title race Hello everyone and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Um, Sai, as we said, 
we've not we've, well we didn't get to do an episode earlier this week um be, it being easter monday and whatnot and everyone away and busy or working and whatnot but of course there was the small matter of premier league drama on the weekend and it certainly played into city's favor we'll start with city's own game on saturday um, down on the south coast at southampton a place where city usually struggle have struggled this season in fact when they got knocked there out there at the carabao cup by nathan jones's side um but it's no longer Nathan Jones's side and City no longer having those struggles an emphatic 4-1 victory and it just, you know, obviously the Champions League win helps that as well but in the league and in all competitions City just really, really, really feel like they're hitting their stride now. They've now scored at least three goals in their last five matches and the last two Premier League games have been won 4-1 and Southampton, as I, as I touched on earlier, there was a half an hour spell Um in the first half where Southampton did threaten um, City looked a little bit shaky um, Sulemana as I say looking quite dangerous on those flanks but Haaland gets the goal on his return just before the break and after that once that was in it never the result was never in doubt and City made sure of that in the second half Yeah it was one of those games where City kind of start brightly and then fade and you think oh no something bad's going to happen here um, but as Guardiola says like these are the games that Haaland has been bought for. You think of him as being bought for Bayern Munich at home and away, but he's also there for for those games where they're a bit under the cost, but they need someone who um, can finish prolifically and clinically. Um, and you know, he just missed a header. Um, he's still he's still not great at heading, is he? Like for if only he proved that, he might have sixty well, goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just surprising for someone so. No, so he did. Big. He did. Um, Peter, Cr- the the only the only comparison ever between Peter Crouch and uh, Erling Haaland, but Crouch hmm. was never brilliant with his head, but surprisingly good with his feet. I I, I believe I'm right in saying I think I've heard this story before. Maybe I'm just completely chatting bubbles, but we'll go with it anyway. I'm pretty sure Haaland he didn't like become a giant until he was like well into his mid-teens. So. All of his when he was learning as a youngster in the you know the Norwegian fjords and whatnot, he he had to he couldn't just rely on his strength, which I think a lot of a lot of young footballers, but the ones who have growth spurts when they're young, they kind of steam ahead of everyone else because they're the strongest. They can batter yeah. everyone out of the way, and they don't necessarily develop their game as well because they don't need to rely on a, a sharp touch or a, or a nice pass because they can just bulldoze everyone out of the way. Whereas Haaland. He was a you know a run uh, at least a bit smaller and skinnier when he was a kid, so he had to learn how to you know and he had a football, professional footballer dad to help him as well, which I'm sure helped. But he had to kind of develop the technical aspects of his game because he couldn't rely on the strength that he now has, so he can have that you know and maybe that's as a result his heading's not the best because he was never a giant learning how to head and doing it well. He was more working on the ball and as we've seen, so good with the ball at his feet. Um, and that's helped, you know, he's now got the the body of a Nordic god and he can combine that so well. He's got, the, as everyone keeps saying, he's got all the pace and the strength, but he also has all the skill and finishing to go along with it. And it's not as if he's bad in the air, is it? Because his uh, second goal in the game was certainly in the air and it was <laughs> blooming fantastic. And, you know, we touched him earlier, but what a, what a lovely little dink for our Grealish to set that up. Yes, yeah. Well, that's it, you know. Uh, was it the Community Shield where he, um, there were like a number of crosses into the box and he kept going it with, going for it with his feet <laughs> rather than his head? And everyone's like, why is he doing that? And he's like, well, that's why. Um, mm-hmm. He's just better, with his, better exactly. with his feet. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think essentially... He did score a header, didn't he? Wasn't the first goal a header? Yeah, the first goal was a header, No, it's yeah. so not doing too bad, you know, I, I could have scored that header, yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember going to Southampton in 2020, the nineteen twenty season, and City just battered Liverpool 4-0 at home. I went to Southampton and lost 1-0 from like a 40-yard goal that... I think it was a Zinchenko mistake. That's topical for you. Mm. Um, Zinchenko messed up and, and Che Adams lobbed Edison from like 45 yards... And it was like, yeah, two steps forward and one step back. Um, whereas, you know, the fact that City backed up the Liverpool game with a, a ultimately convincing result against Southampton means that, you know, it, they're, they're just picking up momentum all the time. And, um, you know, that, that Haaland goal to make it 3-0 kind of hammered home the message to Southampton, you're not getting anything out of this game. Um, but also just kind of showed how 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 well City are playing. Like so many of the goals at the minute are really good goals. Mm. Um, all three against Bayern were were really really well taken. Um, and Southampton and Liverpool, like they they're just playing really good football. They're playing the best football of the season, and um, they're probably playing better football than than anyone else in the league at the minute. So you know that that's why the they're building up so much, so much steam in the title race. Absolutely, I, I, you know, as you say, that they just seem to just—is it 12, 11 unbeaten now? Twelve, maybe. Like they've just hit that consistency. And we thirteen. No, it's, 13. it's not quite a thirteen-game winning run, is it? Because I know there's a couple of draws in no, there. But yeah, what, eleven wins and I think nine so wins in a row. We talked about, didn't we? On oh, it might, might have been January, February time. How at, at that time it didn't really look like City could do. This could put these wins together, and now they're finally doing it. And Guardiola seems to have like really settled on his team now. He's got the eleven starters. There's the interchangeable Bernardo for either Gundogan or Mares. Foden when he's fit, we'll see if he fits back in. And then um, Alvarez comes in if Haaland isn't playing or De Bruyne is injured. It's like thirteen plays he's choosing from now. There's consistency there and it, it doesn't look like at least for this season the way City are playing that there's any way back in for Walker or Laporte or way in at all for Phillips it just seems City providing there's no injuries or disasters this is how City are going to go until the rest of the season and you can't really blame them when they're just you just aren't on that consistent level now yeah I think it's um, nine league and Champions League games that City have played without Laporte um the last nine, I think, um, he put something cryptic. I think the term is on his on his Instagram today about endings and new beginnings and things like that. It's um, it's hard to see a way back for for him at City and and yeah, like Kyle Walker. Um, if you can beat Bayern three nil without needing Kyle Walker, then yeah, you you don't need Kyle Walker for your biggest games. So it it remains, I think the talking point of the season the way Guardiola has taken the fullback role that he has relied on so heavily for four or five years and just got rid of all of his fullbacks um, and is still setting his team up to do very well in all three competitions is I mean, um, incredible. I mean Big Sam used to play four centre-backs and we'll get slagged yeah. off for it and now, <laughs> yeah. and now somehow Guardiola's making it um, in vogue and I you know I'm not fully enough. City centre backs are a bit better than Bolton's used to be, and a bit better on the ball. Can best yeah. play anywhere, but it's just it is so 
strange how it's working out. And it's not, you know, it's either Kanji or Stones and Ake. Like, yeah. It's not just, well, it's well, not as if City is short on options. They're doing it because yeah. it's working. What has happened to Pep? Like, you know, you're talking about the guy who played Yaya Torre at centre back in the Champions League final because he, he loves the way midfielders can can play. He saw Stones and Otamendi together a few years ago and said, nope, I'm going to play Rodri and Fernandinho at centre back instead. Um, <laughs> and suddenly he's just like, yeah, four centre backs, please. That's the way to go. Um, it, it's, it really is incredible. Um, but like I say, they're in such good form. They're just absolutely bossing teams. Remember all the times Allardyce used to say if I was called Samiano Aladici, I'd have like been managing Barcelona. Maybe Guardiola's heard that, and he's now going by Joseph Gardner, and he's just going like really old school with it and showing everyone up by saying, "Listen, I can I can play as many centre backs as I want and still still win." And it's it's the maddest thing because you know four centre backs are playing. Laporte isn't one of them, and this time yeah. last year Laporte was the one centre back playing with his ankle hanging off. It's just so so mad how things can. Turn on a sixpence. I've said that twice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, um, and it is the the mad world of of Pep Guardiola. But it's a it's a very successful world. Exactly, and, exactly. Um, but but it's hard to see anyone getting in ahead of these four centre backs because mm. um, they're playing so well every game. And you're like, well, maybe Sheffield United. You play someone else, but but like you uh, pointed out, like we're getting to the stage of the season where it will just be the same. 11, 12, 13 players who start every game because they can do because they are built to do that every three days um, for a short period of time at least and um, and they will because they're the most informed so the players Guardiola trust the most so they're going to play um, so you know I think we should probably get used to a lineup similar to the one we saw um, mm. against Southampton and Bayern for, for the rest of the season yeah, it's certainly going to make our uh, predicted lineup pieces quite boring. But hey, maybe we'll get them right for once. So every cloud. Yeah, I, but you know, I got I got eleven for Bayern. Well done. Oh, I tell you what, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's honestly such a notable occasion that you just have to kind of get a plaque to commemorate it. <laughs> Happens who, once who cares? a season. Yeah, exactly. Who cares that you won for three nil against Bayern Munich? We well, Simon yeah. got the team right. The biggest <laughs> achievement of the night by far. But you know, the drama of the weekend did come. Um, from Anfield where Arsenal took on Liverpool on Sunday and what a fr- frantic, enjoyable game it was. Finished 2-2. Two, two. Arsenal went two ahead and Liverpool came back and he missed a penalty but still managed to come back. A last-minute equaliser from Roberto Firmino after Trent Alexander-Arnold had like a transformation mid-match and somehow went from the worst defender of all time to, you know, back to that um, really good marauding fullback. Uh, we've come to know and, and you know, Probably not love on this podcast, but I love him. I think he's a really good player. Um, but it feels this match, as I said earlier about the you know the Haaland for goal feeling significant. This feels significant as well. Arsenal have had little fumbles. They've lost to Everton. They drew with Brentford, but they bounced back well from this. And that never, you know, maybe it's easy to say in hindsight, but they never felt uh, kind of a killing blow. Whereas this, this feels like. If they can get recovered from this, they'll do really well. This felt like a psychological hammer strike. Just and it, and it might, as as they went to great pains to say, it might end up being a good point. You come away from Anfield, a place you've not won there in twelve years, I think it was, to come away with a point when the way the game was going, the way the tides tides were turning, it might end up being a good point. But I think as as we'll, as you touched on there, Zinchenko, he's the one who got um, nutmegged by Alexander Arnold for that equaliser, and he knew. 
as he sat on the bench, clearly kind of distraught that it was a could be proved to be a very costly error. And those two points have you know, have split it wide open now. And it, this feels like the first time, the first real crack we've seen in Arsenal's um, in Arsenal's otherwise almost uh, kind of perilous attack. Because you know they're still six points ahead of City. To be fair, and to be six points ahead of this City team now is, is some achievement. Yeah, and you know they drew at Anfield where last season they lost four nil. So well, it, exactly, it's another another sign of their improvement. Um, mm. It's just kind of unfortunate for them with the type of point that they got. Um, you know, we we've spoken on the podcast about their comeback wins and how uplifting yep. they must have been to go from behind and then come back. Well, to to be two nil up um, and then concede one and then concede a penalty and have Salah miss it and you know Liverpool are so fragile with their confidence like City showed that the other the other week to have Liverpool then come back still get the point and then you know Arsenal kind of hanging on by the end um, Liverpool kind of really battering down the door to get all three points so I I think it it felt like if Arsenal won at Liverpool they would be clear favourites for for the title and because they haven't it's now open, more open again. Mm. Um, and, you know, uh, City have sort of been backed a, a long way because of their, their experience, but the form they're now in, um, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? It's just like the, the ongoing battle, um, you know, when Arsenal were knocked out of Europe and that was like, oh, that'll be better for them. Well, now Arsenal have have had to sort of stew for a week mm. um, after that draw watch City batter one of the best teams in Europe um, City playing first again this weekend again so City could close the gap to three points and, and then you know the pressure is on it's seven days since you've played and and you need to get a win so it, it it's going to be it, it, it feels like the title race has swung a bit to um to City with Arsenal dropping points, but like we say, a point is still a very good result for yeah. for Arsenal. And and also we, I mean, I think City will beat Arsenal at, at the Etihad, and many others do, but it's not a given. And that is a huge game mm. in terms of how that could really affect the title race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, I think everything will lie on that. I mean, as you say. If Arsenal, if it had been the other way around, and Arsenal had come from two down and drew two two, last minute drama, yeah, yeah. It, it'd be a completely different conversation. Of course, it would be galvanised. They've earned the point, as we've seen. They beat United, Villa, and Bournemouth. I'm going to say Bournemouth, yeah, with last minute winners, and that felt really like that that swell of champions, that you know Fergie time sort of tackle, you know, win it late. It's what champions do, all that. But to kind of, I think to, I should say they got off the hook once with the penalty miss. To then, uh, it's hard to say throw it away because you know, the, but they had a two goal lead and they didn't win. It's, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's never good, is it? And I mean, it was you know, Liverpool, despite all the struggles this year, they have got some very talented players. They beat United 7 0, for God's sake, at Anfield, the last game at Anfield. So it's not as like it's, it's become an easy place to go or anything, but maybe the one thing that has helped them is that Ramsdale, right at the end, made two outstanding saves. Probably one of the best saves in Premier League history, that one, um, when he was getting to his fingertips. So that can maybe be the sort of the galvanising thing they can cling to. It feels more they did. It's not like the goal was the very last minute, last kick of the game, that would have felt even worse. Whereas they, 
it does feel more like they got away with it rather than they threw it yeah. away just because of how. And I, I, maybe we put too much on these sort of psychological um, things just to have something to talk about. But I don't know how much the players really think about it. But you know, Ramsdale afterwards said he d- a bit of both. Feels like a point dropped. Obviously, we're winning, but at the same time, you've come away. So you know, who knows? Uh, you know, and we can only find out once the season progresses. But what it does mean is. It's basically that the league is in both teams' hands. If both teams win all of their games, they will win the champ- um, the, the title. And that's, of course, because both teams have to play each other. Uh, April 26th, that is the uh, the blockbuster of all blockbusters. If both teams win all their games until then, that is going to be some, some match. Yes, and I think City have sort of got a bit of help by, um, by drawing Sheffield United in the, the FA Cup semi. Because with Arsenal coming three days later, if they'd had to play a a Brighton or a or a United, um, they might have been a bit more, a bit more drained. Not to take anything away from Sheffield United, and I will fully apologise on the podcast after when we're talking about Sheffield United beating City. But um, but yeah, it, it was the the easiest draw on paper for them. Um, and you know, Arsenal have lost to City twice this season. They've lost to them at the Etihad already, and they're looking at a team that have just put. Seven past Leipzig, six past Burnley, four past Liverpool, three past Bayern. Um, Twenty-four in five games, I think it is, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it will be. I, th- I think City's game with Leicester this weekend. I think that's the L- City's last league game before they play Arsenal. Um, so that will be. Yes, know, it is a huge, a a, a huge occasion. Um, and uh, it's a mi- it's midweek, isn't it? So it's a it's an evening match, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, everything is is aligning in in the same w- or in a similar way, really, to kind of how much narrative there was around Bayern coming to City with with Tuchel and Cancelo and um, Sane. There will be Jesus and Zinchenko and Arteta um, coming, and there is so much on. On the race, and it will be. You've got the city mm. team who are used to being in these positions, and you know that win over Liverpool in the eighteen nineteen season was pr- one of the best games at the Etihad. Full stop. Um, but you've got this this hungry Arsenal team who who have been out in front for so long. So um, I, I would expect them to be further in front uh, because they've got one more game than City before mm-hmm. then. But. Um, but we are we are getting towards those those final few matches and mm. uh, yeah it's it, it's a really exciting you know all you can ask for is an exciting season and for for both teams to be able to win it at this at this stage is um, is really good you've got a, a, a decent relegation battle and a decent top four battle and uh, a really really good title race which City have done very very well again to be to mm. be heavily involved in yeah and it's, it's interesting that City are doing the chasing for once we're not used to that but I should say how the fixtures kind of line up this week City um, play Leicester at home whereas Arsenal are away at West Ham and then their game before um, you know before the match with City while City will be in um, FA Cup semi-final action that weekend they play Southampton on Friday the 21st at home so Two games you'd expect this Arsenal team to win, so they could have again a healthy lead over City by the time the two meet. So it's not like the game is going to immediately put City on top. So it's not going to have that maybe that psychological edge 
on it where City overtake them and they're now leading because obviously City will have two games in hand to, to come afterwards but obviously it'll be such such a blow now let's say City play Leicester um, I don't know if there's much to actually say about the match it's interesting I suppose that um, Brendan Rodgers has gone it'll be Dean Smith's first match in charge but the way Leicester are going they look almost kind of nailed on to go down they're a team completely devoid of any sort of confidence or absolutely anything of any note really so I think I think we can all safely assume City will win with the same starting 11 we've just been talking about so instead of kind of delving into that um, you know you said that at the start you know City has been so successful under Guardiola and the 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 treble is on like it really is on and <laughs> City could win the league they could have a FA Cup final against United after if they if, if City win the league and they get to the FA Cup final, and United also get to the FA Cup final, and they get to the Champions League final. That FA Cup final will be four City are playing a team in the Champions League final, which you'd expect them to beat in either Inter, Benfica, if they get a comeback, Napoli, or AC Milan. You'd expect City to beat any of those, even if Napoli are really good. United yeah. will be standing in the way if they get to the FA Cup final, of course, which is no given, given they're playing Brighton. But United, a Manchester Derby FA Cup final, the first ever FA Cup Manchester Derby final, could be for United in their heads to stop City overshadowing their greatest ever achievement of the treble in 1999. Like you don't get much more, you know, much more drama, much more stakes, much more on the line than that. And that prospect is absolutely, um, you know, you started laughing there, and and, and for good reason because it's almost too, too, uh, um, uh, you know, just mad, massive to comprehend. It certainly do the sight yes. a lot of good. I'll tell you that. That'll be some. That'll be some day. I'll tell you that for free. We'll do well that day. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's. Um, yeah. That would be a, a hell of a day. That would be very much not enjoyable for <laughs> most. Most there. I don't think anyone would. Might have to uh, put that one off to be honest. <laughs> anyone would enjoy the build up to it, and uh, yeah, I think there'd be plenty queasy afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's not really been been talked about, and um, we kind of had. United were sort of strangely happy to talk up the quadruple at one point <laughs> in the season, um, or, or a quadruple because um, they're not in the Champions League, are they? But um, yeah, just because City have had like so many problems after the World Cup and because Arsenal have been so good, it's kind of not been spoken about that it could be the treble, um, and Gladiola won't hear a word of it. Um, for obvious reasons, because he, he just doesn't want want that distraction or or anything like that. But um, yeah, when you see them beat Bayern in the way they have, and when you see them in the form they are in the Premier League, the way they have, um, you know, I think uh, Brighton are probably the most dangerous opponents they could. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, United don't seem to be in great form. United haven't been in great form since the. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries, kind of scraping results by, which is good, but not scary. Yeah, and and continue to have um, injuries. You know, Rashford's out now for for we don't know how long and um, things like that. So you, you, whereas you know, Brighton are are playing very well um, when they're not being done over by refereeing decisions. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure should City get past um, Sheffield United in the FA Cup, they would maybe rather play Brighton just because it might be a tougher game, but you take away all that narrative that you've mm. uh, you've layered up 
Mm. Um, I've also just thought United. You mentioned United; they could still win a treble. It could. I do, I'm not quite yeah. sure what the Europa League final is, but United could actually also be going for their own treble at the same day as well. So there's so much. Yeah. Oh, mate, I, I hope it comes to pass because <laughs> United City best not at least at Sheffield United. No, I'll put it that way because I think yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure the TV uh, execs are hoping for the same thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it it's just a really, really exciting end to the season, and and City have mm. worked themselves into this position where yeah they could actually win everything. And um, and nobody's really been talking about it um, for good reason because you don't until you get to this time of year. But um, yeah, you, it, it's like oh, it, it's it's on. Um, so yeah, I mean, this city team have achieved so much under Guardiola, um, but this would be you know <clears throat> the makings of of a team that would go down in in history forever. I think you know, and they've. You know, obviously done the Centurions and back-to-back titles, and um, were they to get, you know, the treble that only United before have ever won, you know, they would just automatically go up as as one of the the best ever teams in in the history of football. Three titles in the cool. row as well. That's on. That's on, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's only been yeah, done by yeah. United, isn't it? Yeah, and and five in six. So um, it it's. The, the the stakes are enormous, um, mm-hmm. and you can never tell in in knockout games and the six points behind in the league. But you know the the way they're playing at the minute, you would not want to bet against them. I, I think they I think their odds of getting the treble have halved in a week after Oof. Southampton and Bayern. Well, I I also a lot uh, of money going on them. Yeah, I also plucky City fans back that when it was a a lot higher odds. <laughs> it's certainly looking. If not likely, at least very plausible and, you know, exciting times indeed. And we'll, of course, be here to cover all of it. But for now, that is the end of this episode of the Talking City Podcast. We'll be back early next week with any luck to talk about the weekend's match with Leicester and look forward to that second leg against Bayern Munich. Hopefully it'll be just as thrilling as the first. But until then, you can, of course, keep up to date with all the latest City news, expert analysis and of course, all the uh, updates from Saturday's game over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can get a, uh, fill your feed with our articles on Twitter at ManCityMEN. Get us on Facebook at <laughs> Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. And if you want to watch this podcast in living colour, see Simon stifle laughter after I say fill your feed, you go over to YouTube with Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City. Get get that, in as I say, in, in, in motion and colour. What more? could you want but until next week everyone thank you very much for listening or watching and we'll see you then bye bye for now ta-ra